This episode of the Local Hustlers podcast is brought to you by Audible. If you're listening to this podcast right now, then I'm going to assume that you would also enjoy listening to audiobooks. Whether you're interested in business, history, comedy, science fiction, or romance, Audible has thousands of titles for you to choose from. We want you to try out Audible for free, so if you head to our link, you'll get a 30-day free trial and a free book. So go to audibletrial.com slash localhustlerspodcast to redeem your trial today. Again, that's audible, A-U-D-I-B-L-E, trial.com slash localhustlerspodcast. You're listening to the Local Hustlers Podcast, your go-to source for connecting with small businesses and entrepreneurs in the East Valley. Get ready to be inspired by local entrepreneurs as they share their stories, mindset, best tips, and advice. And now, your co-hosts, Dallin and Eric Huso. All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of the Local Hustlers Podcast. This week, we're super excited to be here with Brenda Lopez with Spanglish Services. How's it going, Brenda? It's going good. How are you? We're good. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no, thanks yeah, for coming really on today. To have you. Um, take a couple of minutes and give us a little bit of a background on your life. Uh, my name is Brenda Lopez. I uh, I am an immigrant. I, am, I was born in, in Mexico, uh, emigrated to the United States when I was 11 years old. So at an early age, when I arrived here, I didn't speak any English. So right off the bat, I, I realized the struggles with the language. I went through them myself. Uh, later on in life, I learned English as well, uh, you know, and decided to become an interpreter 10 years ago. Uh, until seven months ago, I decided to uh, create Spanglish Services LLC. I, the last 10, ten years that I've been an interpreter, I've seen the need in my community. For, uh, you know, there's so many language barriers. Uh, it makes a huge difference to have an interpreter present to help you out and, you know, walk through that process. Uh, so, yeah, th- that's why I decided to finally make it official seven months ago. Uh, ever since, uh, it's been the best decision I ever made in my life. Not only do I get to help my community now, I get to make an income out of it. And I make it, I feel like I make a difference out there uh, with what I do, because my number one goal uh, to do this was to help out, you know, with the need of language out there. That's why I do what I do. Nice. Great story. So 11 years old, you come to the United States, not speaking yes. a word of English. No. What was that like for you? Being 11 and being in a new country and not being able to communicate. It was really scary. Uh, as you can imagine, as a child, as a kid, uh, you know, you not only leave everything behind, you come to, a, you know, where you don't understand the language. So it was really hard. Uh, that takes me back to a, a memory that I have when I first came here. My sixth grade teacher at that point, she would force me to stand up in front of the classroom and read a notebook in English. I had no idea how to do that. And later on in life, I understood what she was doing for me. She was doing me a favor trying to do that for me because thanks to that, I forced myself to learn English because I was like, I'm never going to go through that. And, and, and it made me understand how difficult it is. And it made me, you know, decide on doing this because I, you know, I know firsthand it's how hard it is. How long did it take you to really understand English to a point where you were confident using it with around other people? Honestly, it took me a few years. I will say I was, I would understand uh, better like around high school. Okay. Um, 
it is very difficult as well if you don't have practice if you don't practice like my parents i started being an interpreter for my parents oh, wow. uh, since i came here like as soon as my parents brought me here somehow they said oh you're going to school you already speak english and they would have me interpreter for them even though i had no idea imagine a 11 year old no english here's this legal document interpreter for me translate it for me and then you have to because there's they have no help so that's why you know once i had the opportunity i don't know it was something that came to me i was like i like i've been doing this since i came here uh i know the need i know the difference it makes and i didn't want any other parents out there or people or immigrants or anybody going through that what my parents went through yeah, I think a lot of native English speakers struggle with some of those documents, so it's impressive <laughs> that you were able to... Uh, yes, they do. ...to help your parents out with that. Take us back to Mexico. Where, where in Mexico does your family come from? Uh, we are from Chihuahua, Mexico. It's in the north of Mexico, and uh, it's really beautiful out there. I am uh, something that they refer to as a dreamer, so basically I haven't gone back. I I have a permit to be here. I have a permit to work, everything, but I haven't gone back. So I couldn't tell you much other than what I can recall until 11 years old. Gotcha. Do you have family that's still over there? Yes, a lot of family. And what was your parents' reasoning for, for coming here? For a better life. Yeah. Better life for us. And that's what we're doing now. Growing up, did you plan on, on starting a business at any point or did you have other plans to go to college or was there any specific industry you were planning on getting into? Not necessarily. Uh, when you come from where I come from, just being here, the fact of just being here, that's like that, that's it. You already have a better life. Uh, in our culture, it's very common that college, you know, to further your education, that's not very common. Uh, so I have an 18-year-old. I'm trying to ba- break that barrier. I only got to call uh, to high school, and with my 18-year-old, I'm trying to ba- break the barriers. You know, break break the cycle per se. And she's going to college now. Uh, in my end, you know, I'm very appreciative of all the opportunities I've had so far. Uh, thanks to being able to be here now, I can think farther and go farther. And I started my own business now. I do think it took me way too long to decide on it, but I don't think it's too late. Never too early and it's never too late. Yes, I exactly. believe that. I believe that. Exactly. You want to dig into a little bit of how you finally decided to, hey, I've been doing this forever. Why not make some money off of it? I, Pretty, could, I could have a business here. Yes. Thank you for asking that. Um, so I started a little bit over 10 years ago teaching ESL, which is English as a second language to adults. Uh, volunteering because I always had have had that uh, want to volunteer and help and make a difference somehow so I started at local organizations and um, out of nowhere people started reaching out to me to go and do it to teach ESL at other organizations for pay so I was like oh yeah I mean I'll do it for free but if you want to pay me awesome cool right Throughout the years, I will get calls here and there. Hey, will you come interpret to this uh, event at this organization? It all started with, it's something that we refer to. There's a language justice collective. We refer as added language justice interpreting. And then from there, it got onto something else, to legal, medical. That's when I started realizing there's a lot more need of this in the community than just for language justice or just for, it's not specifically to one topic. 
Uh, so then uh, I was a paralegal for eight years. And, and among those 10 years, I've been doing interpreting as well. And uh, just basically got tired of being a paralegal, bottom line, and uh, decided that if I went full-time as an interpreter, open my own business, I'll probably be better off. And it did. It, it actually worked out so far. And as a paralegal, were you doing Spanish and English documents and cases? Yeah. Actually, yeah. number one of the uh, requirements to be a paralegal at all of the law firms I worked at is to be, was, was to be bilingual, okay. basically. Is there a difference or is it kind of the same thing between being a translator and an interpreter? Yes. Thank you for asking that because I get uh, referred us to translator or interpreter or vice versa. Uh, translator is when it comes to documents. You translate, uh, you know, a doc, uh, the words into the target language. Uh, interpreter is when you speak it. Okay. So that's the difference. Okay. Is anyone that's bilingual a good candidate to be either one of those, or does it take um, some extra talent or skills to be able to be a good interpreter? I will say anyone that is bilingual could try to be an interpreter and translator, mm -hmm. but there is a certain talent and ability that you must have, but it mainly comes from wanting to do it to help, yeah, not just for the money. I've been asked this before at different trainings I've been to, to for different certificates I've uh, obtained. And that's been one of the questions. And I've always told them, if you're not in it to help and because you want to do it, not just for the money, then just don't do it because you're not going to be a good one. And so ever since you were, when you mentioned you started volunteering, you did that. Obviously, you're not making money there. So was that all because you had a desire to help people then? Yes. Basically, yes, that's why I started. Where does that come from? Because a lot of people, especially younger people, are, are selfish and, and want to do things for themselves and things that, I mean, I'm sure you enjoyed it, but yeah, just things that, that they love and things that just benefit themselves. So why did you um, have that desire to help other people at such a young age? It's from my own personal experience. I think everybody does things based on their own personal experience. Uh, like I mentioned before, I came here at an early age. Since I'm an, since an early age, I, I realized that starting all over, it's okay. Uh, you can leave everything behind and you can gain it back and sometimes even double or triple. Uh, and just, just a desire to help my community because, uh, it is a community where, uh, a lot of people say they're going to help, but it's more to like, you know, there's politicians, there's certain people that will reach out to them just for, to gain something, not really to help. And I, it's just basically my desire to make a difference in this world. And that's my way to do that. I think so. Awesome. Share with us, I guess, more about what you do and, and how you're able to make a difference in the world through your services that you offer. Okay. Uh, like I mentioned before, I'm part of a, a justice language uh, collective. So that is nothing but justice language. Basically, any justice, social justice issue that you can think of, we're going to interpret about that. 
Uh, so that's one way. Some are paid, some are volunteer. And, and I'm always going to stay linked to that regardless of how much I get paid for my paid work. Mm-hmm. Now, I also do medical, medical interpreting uh, through uh, my LLC and through a lot of other uh, different agencies. Uh, I get contracted by attorneys. Uh, I actually uh, have a few that I go interpreted to their, for example, immigration appointments in person or over the phone since the pandemic. Um, I do translation of documents. Um, and I basically, it comes down to just regular normal people that will call me, that people recommend me, hey, I need this birth certificate. There's a lot of need. A lot of this um, immigration appointments, legal appointments, all this, a lot of these people have birth certificates in their native language, which is Spanish. And they need that sometimes as an emergency. And for the most part, I'll do those as well, you know, because I know the need and the urgency there is for those documents. Yeah. Well, you, you mentioned earlier how, you know, when you're starting something like this, you take the risk of, of losing everything and you touched on, you know, you might, you can make it back and even double, triple that after. Um, but obviously that initial thought and that initial risk of, of losing everything is one of the main factors that stops people from starting their own business. Um, did you have those fears? Did you have those thoughts? And if so, what helped you to overcome that? Yes, of course, I'm human. Uh, I had those feelings throughout years. Yeah. And that's why it took me so long to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but not only did I get tired of doing something I didn't really enjoy 100%, uh, I have amazing people around me. I have really good friends that made me realize, you know, see my own uh capacity talents that sometimes at one point I didn't even see myself uh so that had a lot to do with it it had a lot to do with courage I had to really say either you do it now or never because I'm not getting any younger and you know the more I wait the less time I have to see if it's gonna work out or not at the end of the day I said hey if it doesn't work out I just go back to my nine to five for a little while again, save more money, and then go back and try it again. Love that attitude. Yeah. <laughs> Love that attitude. And Brenda, in, in working with your clients, I would imagine in some situations, there's an immediate trust level, right? The more vulnerable the client is, like, I imagine there's like an immediate trust. Oh, thank you. You're here to save me. Like, you can communicate on my behalf. I would imagine other situations, like, there are be more of a need to build that trust with the client like you know i have your best interests in mind and i'm here to serve you um how how do you discern those two when somebody just boom gives you their full trust versus when you can tell there's some hesitancy and and then how do you build that trust with the client i'm glad uh you asked that i don't know if i could share a little uh, example i had not too long ago I had to go interpreter for a patient that was about, you know, to travel to a better life per se, if that's a way to say that, uh, because of COVID-19. It was an urgency for to have an interpreter there because he was uh, fighting with the doctors. He didn't want to be at the hospital anymore, so they would have to disconnect him. And he, they needed him to understand that he was going to die if they would do that. So I had to show up there as an emergency. And he was already uh, uh, 
very irritated and seeing me there he I don't think he felt usually I'm used to once I show up they feel more comfortable they trust more the doctor they they feel better at that point he was so irritated that he was like what is she doing here she has nothing to do with me why is she doing that uh, at the point I just you know I was in Spanish I'm here to help you I'm here to I'm here to be your voice your voice of reason your voice with the doctors uh, he uh, later on um, when he realized I was just to interpreter there he calmed down and he felt better because he was trying to communicate with the doctors they were not understanding that he wasn't comfortable he needed more pillows he, you know little things like that makes a huge difference the doctors were not understanding him and he was not understanding either that he was going to die if he left the hospital it was very very important uh, so when I got there and I told him that, then he felt a little better and he thanked me at the end and obviously apologized for the, you know, initial behavior, but we figured it out at the end. And, and did he stay in the hospital? Yes, he did. Okay. <laughs> yes, and he, he got did. some I pillows. I got there on time. And he got yes, some pillows. Yes, and he got Good. more pillows. <laughs> what did your family and what did your parents think about this as you kind of jumped in and, and started your own business were they supportive were they hesitant of, of the idea what was their kind of general take on the situation my mom has always told me to do whatever makes me happy uh, but I don't think I don't think they see the I don't know how to explain that the capacity that what it really means yeah uh like I said, we're from Mexico. For us to even just have a job, it's more than enough. So now having your own business, uh, it's it's something that is not really there for us. You know, it's, it's even more like college as well is the mm-hmm. same thing. Uh, even like with my daughter, they'll ask her when they see her, how are you? They never ask her how's college. I don't think it has it hits them in the way here in the culture here if, if it makes any sense yeah. like they don't they don't realize how important it is and how it actually to me it, it means break like i mentioned before breaking cycles mm-hmm. and like my daughters are a huge reason why i decided to do it as well because uh i wanted to see if if your mom did it you can you can do anything you can do literally anything yeah do you mind touching a bit more on that, on why your family and your daughters have served as an inspiration for you to start your business? Yeah. Uh, well, my oldest daughter, she's seen the struggle with me as a single mother before. And, uh, you know, she has been super supportive. She's very, very proud. She, she literally tells me probably every day how proud she is of me. And that's how I know she, uh, she's inspired by me. And... And then my youngest one, uh, the other day I posted a picture of my desk on Instagram and she told me, hey, that, something's missing in that picture. And I'm like, what? She's like, you, mom. So that right there, she's not very expressive, but that right there told me, I'm proud of you, mom. You should be in that picture too, because that's your business. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, I believe I'm inspiring them somehow and I, I, I hope it's true, but awesome and speaking of inspiration do you have anyone in your life that has served as as a role model or or an inspiration for you to to take that jump and start your own business 
Yeah, a lot of people around me uh, have a few friends that have done the same thing uh, or their husband have and they help their husbands. Uh, but there's been a few friends that have inspired me to do this as well. Mm-hmm. Yes, they're very successful. Any particular examples of, of a friend or um, a role model, something they said or something that did that something they did um, that in turn helped you to, to overcome any fears that you had in, in getting started? That's a good question. I think I'm going to bring up my friend, Jana. She, uh, she did this a few years ago, started from scratch. She didn't look back. She left her nine to five. She was making really good money. So at first I was like, are you sure? But then at the same time, I was like, but I support you if that's what you want to do. And she, she literally started from the bottom. And when I look at her now, I'm like, I'm very, very proud of you. And she's very inspiring to me. Yes. Awesome. Do you find yourself spending more time cleaning your pool than you spend swimming in it? Then you need to get in touch with Flamingo Pools. Flamingo Pools is your go-to swimming pool maintenance and repair company in the East Valley. Whether it's weekly maintenance, repairs, green to cleans, or one-time cleanings, Flamingo Pools is there to take care of you. Here's a few things that makes Flamingo Pools stand out from the crowd. When you first sign up for service, they'll give you a free complimentary inspection of the pool to make sure everything is running smoothly. They'll also email you a service report with a picture attached after every visit so you know when your pool has been cleaned. They also offer a mineral treatment, which will keep your chemical levels down, allowing you to have a healthier bathing experience. At Flamingo Pools, they know that your pool was made to be enjoyed, so let them handle the rest. Check them out at azflamingopools.com or give them a call at 480-422-6013. Mention this podcast and get your first month of weekly maintenance free. That's azflamingopools.com and 480-422-6013. So just touching again on on this idea of of taking that risk and going all in and, and potentially losing everything. Um, you talked a bit about your experience and how you were able to do that. Uh, what would your advice be for someone who might be struggling with those same thoughts? Uh, what can they do to kind of overcome those hurdles to get started? Okay. First, save. Save some money. You cannot, um, I will lie if I would say you can start this without any savings. Uh, but I didn't, I saved, but it's not that I saved a lot either. And don't think, oh, I can't do that. Yes, you can. I wasn't making a lot of money either. I was, you know, I support my house, my children, like, but I was putting some aside with that thought in mind. Uh, so I did the math. I have, I'm good for the next six months. And that's so obviously everyone's different. You have different expenses, but I will say first step that second, just, just do it. Just don't overthink it. Mm-hmm. Think it because I feel like most people overthink things. Like they, oh, what if this, what if that? If it happens in the process, trust me, you'll figure it out. Any particular examples of of something that you didn't know right away when you got started, but you were just able to figure it out as you were going? Because I, I love that you bring that up because a lot of people don't get started because they don't know everything, but you're not going to know until you actually get started. And once you're kind of in the thick of things, once you just do it, like you said, that's when you kind of are forced to learn things or, or you learn by experience. So I'm curious if there was anything in particular for you that you didn't know when you started, but after you got started, um, you, you learned lessons on the road. Well, something that happened to me uh, 
but I don't know if it'll happen to so many people because I'm very overconfident. I tend to be very overconfident. <laughs> and I made the mistake to be overconfident at first. And I didn't know I was going to start with one hour appointment or two hours appointments a week. So that mistake number one, I should have, uh, because a lot of, I, I always say, well, I've been doing this for 10 years. A lot of people know me already. As soon as I post it on Instagram yeah. and Facebook, I should be good, right? Someone's going to ring off. It's it's not, come yes. In. <laughs> yeah, of course. And I'm good at what I do. Why not? But it doesn't work that way. It doesn't, it might if you're that lucky, but, um, you know, I'm not the only one out there doing this. There's, you know, there's other people doing this. There's a ton of agencies doing this big time already. Uh, so network, you know, obviously reconnect with that people that you know as well. And, uh, but yeah, don't be overconfident. Prepare. You do have to prepare and sometimes even prepare for the worst. Yeah, it's, uh, it's either one way or the other. We think that not a single person is going to care about us or our business, or we think that every single person yes. that we know or that knows of us are yes. going to come flooding in. So it's yes. kind of finding that balance when it comes to planning for, for the business. Yes, and support you get it from everyone that knows you. Like, oh, I support you. Ooh, go, Brenda. <laughs> right. But then, the you know, I've had a... Most of them have asked me how I can help you. I have... I, I guess I'm, I, I am lucky in the part where I've had a lot of support. Mm-hmm. Not only with messages and calls or, you know, likes on Facebook. They've sent me a lot of clients. They, uh, I even have had clients that, I mean, friends, I'm sorry, that have sell me money. You know, they'll be like, here, order more business cards. Uh, Things like that, you know, it really helps. uh, You know, I hope one day I can return those favors, you know, double, tripled, and I will. I know I will. Uh, But even things like that or, showing up to an appointment with me you know little things that mean a lot to people like me that were just getting started and you know you have days and nights where you start questioning yourself again did i do the right thing yeah am i really doing this uh but at the end of the day that kind of people are the ones that keep pushing you and reminding you hey just remember why you decided to do this why did you start it in the first place for sure. No, I, I love what you shared just about supporting people because supporting friends and family members and, and business owners doesn't always mean, you know, purchasing their product because mm-hmm. someone might not always need your translating service or you can't, you know, go to your friend's restaurant every night for yes. dinner. Um, but there's other ways, like you mentioned, to, to help business owners. So for yeah. our listeners, for people that, um, you know, are supporting and, and wanting to support local business, I know you gave a few examples. What are some other things that people can do to support uh, friends and family and just local businesses uh, in the area just referring i think the number one is refer you know like you said they might not need my service my services most of my friends don't need them okay right. they're all willing like, why do i need you but like i said one of them even put on her note when she sent me money look i don't think i'm ever gonna hire you because i already you know i'm already bilingual but here this is the way i can support you uh older friends look Here's a client, uh, you know, or I, I, I know a lot of people that work a lot of law firms. They, I know some of these attorneys have been sending me work, not because they need, need me, because they want to support me. And that means a lot to me. That's awesome. How do you find clients? Well, uh, most of my clients have come from referrals okay. and lately I've been focusing on, uh, on networking and marketing. 
as in uh you know right now i'm just going to attorney's office and offer my services and uh you know just so social media helps a lot yeah and um, i'll get there where i can do more networking through online as well if i could follow up on that question going back to the example that you gave of the gentleman that was in the hospital that was trying to get out of the hospital were you contracted with the hospital were you contracted with him because i'm sure there's thousands of people just like him in hospitals today that are trying to make medical decisions and there's a huge language barrier and there's no interpreter there so like how do you reach that guy Uh, is it contracting with hospitals is it just word of mouth Hospitals and court hearings are very tricky. Uh, those are usually contracted through agencies. And there's an opening once a year, either you know for hospitals, where agencies bid, yep. where I could come in eventually in the future. As of now, for hospitals and court hearings, I go through agencies because it costs a lot of money and I cannot compete with other agencies right now. Um, with, with all those agencies and with all the competition, I'm assuming that there is, um, what do you do to stand out? How do people, you know, know to select you and in your services versus someone else? Uh, I actually have, uh, this local organization that used to go through an agency and she decided to hire me instead. Mm-hmm. And the reason she gave me is that is, is I'm very responsive and I get things done quick. And they like more the personal contact with you. Agencies, sometimes they'll send, like every job I do, and I'm not even lying, they go through an agency, they'll request from me again because they like me. You know, sometimes, sometimes they is based on that. Just They just like you. Uh, this organization, they say they love me and they'll rather just work, work directly with me than go through the agency. Do you ever work as as an interpreter in more um, casual circumstances of just people who are trying to communicate with others? Or is it more like um, things dealing with law, dealing with hospitals, those sorts of settings? It's everything in between, basically. Mm-hmm. Anybody that needs me to there to understand the other person, uh, my slogan is building bridges through language. And that's, that's it. That's all I want to do. Regarding of the topic or what's about, I'll be there. Okay. So with those more casual situations, how do those people reach out? How do they find you or how do they find an interpreter in general to help them out? Uh, well, to find me, you can find me through Instagram Spanglish Services or through Facebook Spanglish Services LLC or send me an email to Spanglish S-B-C-S at gmail.com. Again, Spanglish S-V-C-S at gmail.com. And uh, that's, or my phone number as well, 602-919-8186. Awesome. Tell us what the favorite thing, what your favorite thing is about what you do. I think since I'm very social and I love people and I don't care, you know, where you come from, nothing. I just love that human contact. Mm -hmm. I think that's my favorite part. When you originally reached out to us, you talked about how you're, it sounds like you're kind of on a mission to not only offer these services, but to inspire people around you and to share your story. I would love if you could just spend a couple of minutes and really dive into that and and how what you do not only 
is beneficial to the people you're interpreting for, um, but how you're trying to touch, you know, other people's lives, other women's lives, like you mentioned to us and, and kind of what your end goal is there. Yes. Uh, so I'm surrounded by very awesome women already. Uh, and a lot of those women inspire me in different ways, but I want to reach out farther. And a lot of those friends that I have from high school, I've seen so many talents in them throughout the years. I want to inspire them to go for them, to just, you know, not, not doubt themselves anymore. Yeah. Uh, I doubted myself for so many years as well. I've been there, done that. I know the feeling. I want more women to know that they can do it if they believe in themselves first. No one else will believe in you as long as you be, believe in yourself first. So once you get past that, believe in yourself, then the rest will come. And other people will be there. Yeah, I, I love that. Um, you can't expect other people to believe in you and trust in you and, and really do anything if, if you don't have those feelings about yourself. Um, obviously, that can be easier said than done. What is your advice to people who maybe are struggling to believe in themselves? How do you get people to, to see the potential that they have personally? Uh, I don't think I have the correct answer to that i don't think there's a correct answer everybody has their own process their yeah. own ways their own experiences and my own experiences i've learned from a lot of mistakes obviously like many of us have made so many mistakes but i use them as a learning experience and basically just through bad experiences where i've noticed that i did it i started off with me i didn't have self-confidence i didn't believe in myself and a lot of these th negative things were happening to me because of that sometimes uh so once you believe in yourself and have self-confidence you you know i always tell all women around me you accept what you you accept what you think you deserve so if you think you deserve the sky the moon whatever you think you deserve you will get it and other people We'll reflect on that and we'll give you that i like that so yeah it has a lot to do with limiting ourselves i guess and, and yes. where we see ourselves and sometimes we set goals and reach them but then we realize that we limited ourselves again because we um, set the bar too low maybe um would you mind sharing some of your goals and, and what the, the bar that you set for yourself is and and maybe if you have any experience so far um, in your time being in business, what you've been able to achieve by believing in yourself? Well, seven months ago that I started this, I set myself uh, of a goal of making more money than what I was making, at least mm -hmm. doing my own thing. Starting this January, I was starting to doubt that. I was like, okay, this is it. This is my goal. If it doesn't happen, I'm going to have to go and find a 9 to 5, which I don't think it will be too hard nowadays. Uh, but it, everything just came. I thank God, you know, and all the hard work, because I always say this, it's not luck. It's not just God's work. You also have to put a lot of work. And uh, so everything worked out this month. And I'm happy to say that I don't have to go to my nine to five and I'm not planning to. And things just keep getting better. Love it. Throughout our conversation today, Brenda, I 
have gone back three or four times to your mm. initial story that you told us when you were 11 years old and immigrated to the United States and how hard that was. And But you said something that just really struck me. You said just being here was good enough. Like it was an upgrade, right? And I think that mindset has really served you well in starting this business that just being here as a small business owner is good enough. Like what you've experienced, your ability to interact with people, the growth you've had, the challenge you had, the trust you've had to put in has just been good enough. And uh, I think that experience has really propelled you and will continue to propel you to be successful. Yes. And I think uh, experience, uh, you know, personal experience, uh, it really gives me a lot of more understanding of what I do as well. I don't think if, you know, I'm very appreciative of all the good and bad experiences I've gone through in, you know, in my life, because I do believe that everything was to get me to where I am today. So, yeah, you're right. Awesome. Well, Brenda, tell us a bit about um, what the future looks like. You've talked about how you've been able to reach your goals so far since starting the business, but what, what other goals do you have? How have you continued to set the bar? Well, if, you know, everyone wants to make millions, <laughs> everyone wants to not work, right. and that's not me. I don't, I don't plan to have millions. I don't plan to not work. I love what I do. I, don't, I call it work because I get paid for it, but I don't see it as work. Uh, I do think I have a purpose and this is it for me. And uh, so just my goal is just to reach more people. Right now I'm planning a bunch of meetings with attorneys to reach their clients. Um, I actually just hire a scheduling assistant to help me because, you know, while I'm in appointments, I can't be in my phone. And wow. this appointments, I have to respond real quick if I'm available or not. So I have that help now and just keep reaching more people. One more thing that you mentioned that I'd love to touch on is is purpose. So it sounds like you really feel like you're fulfilling your purpose by doing this. I um, would just love to hear um, just your insights on you know what what that word really means. It's a word that is pretty common, but I don't know if we all you know fully grasp the definition of it. So you know what is purpose to you, and how can people make sure that they're fulfilling their personal purpose? Well, I'm a believer that everyone has a purpose. Uh, we all come to this world with a reason, a reason why you came. Why are we here? Uh, we can all make a difference somehow. It's just a matter of really thinking, okay, what are my talents and how I can use them to, re- to reach my purpose, basically. So it's just something that if we all actually sat down and thought of it that way, not just how can I use my talents to, to become rich, how can I use my talents to just, you know, not work anymore or just use your talents to reach your purpose? And once you do that, then, you know, you probably be doing what you love because you're, you know, that is, that was your purpose. And then somehow you are making money. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to assume that you've experienced hard times in business like all of us have. Um, does having a purpose or does having a business that is surrounded by a purpose make it easier to overcome those hurdles and overcome those hard times in business? Definitely. Definitely. Because if I didn't feel it was a purpose, like I said, I used to be a paralegal 
and uh, it didn't feel like a purpose. Mm. And some of this, the longest uh, time I lasted in one of the law firms, it was four, almost four years. The other ones I changed every year. Why? Why? Why did I keep doing that? Because it didn't feel, you know, I didn't feel, I didn't, I wasn't enjoying it. And it had nothing to do with my purpose. But at that point, I wasn't thinking that way. Hmm. So let me ask you this as well. Did At the time, did you know what your purpose was? Or were you still trying to figure out what that was? I think both. I think deep down, I knew. Mm-hmm. I, just, I just wasn't brave enough to go for it. Uh, because again, I've been an interpreter for 10 years. But yeah. not, not until seven months ago, I started my own to go and do it for a time right. and go for it. Uh, but the whole time it was both doubting myself and deep down knowing this is it, this is what I like, this is what I want to do. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Brenda, thank you so much for sharing all that information with us today. Beautiful story. Yeah. Before we close off, um, we've got a quick game we're going to play with you. Um, We've got a list of 20 questions we're going to ask you, and you've got a minute to answer as many of the questions as you can. All right. um, You can go ahead and start us off in three, two... One. Your dream vacation. I want? Oh, uh, Mexico. First thing you'd buy if you won a million dollars? A house for my mom. Favorite hobby? Dancing. If there was an Olympic competition for everyday activities, what activity would you have a good chance at winning a medal in? <sighs> Talking. <laughs> Your favorite song? Uh, any song from Romeo Santos. Um, if you live to be 100, would you rather have the mind or the body of your prime self? The mind. Your favorite holiday? Halloween. Favorite ice cream flavor? Um, vanilla. Favorite fictional character? Uh, I have no idea. I don't have a fictional character. <laughs> favorite smell? Uh, roses. What's your nickname? Below. Um, pet peeve? Uh, I don't know when people don't listen to me. <laughs> Your favorite restaurant? We'll let you answer uh, this one. Uh, favorite restaurant? Uh, I don't think I have one. I love all food. All food? Well, you got to give us one. Gotta... Oh. <laughs> Chinese food? I don't know. There's this restaurant on China Chili, I think. Cool. Okay. Cool. We check gotta it go out. check out China Chili. Where's that located? <laughs> it's Third uh, Street and between Thomas and Osborne somewhere there. Okay, nice. Uh, well, Brenda, you already already uh, let everyone know your contact information. Any any other places where they can find you or, or connect with you if they're wanting to follow your journey, um, learn more about you, or, or hire you for your services? No, just my Instagram, and Facebook, and send me an email if you need me to interpret or translate. Uh, pretty soon I have my website, so awesome. that's coming. Okay. Well, thanks again for coming on. I'd love to learn more about your story and, and the inspiration that you serve for your family and for uh, others around you. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. Thanks, Brenda. We'll catch you all next week. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening. Just a few things before we go. First off, if you or someone you know is an entrepreneur in the East Valley, we'd love to have you on the show. Please get in touch with us by emailing us at localhustlerspodcast at gmail.com or DM us on Instagram at localhustlerspodcast. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn for the latest news and updates.
Also, if you enjoyed the show, please take a few seconds to rate and review and hit that subscribe button. It lets us know how we're doing and helps us grow so we can reach more locals, entrepreneurs, and help small businesses grow. Thanks, guys.